media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you are seated this morning, open your Bibles to Joshua 24. Here we're about to take the Lord's Supper and yet we're going to Old Testament. And I pray that that combination this morning is something that is becoming more and more natural. That you don't just see an Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, we have that division, but that you see this one story, the story of the gospel, the story of redemption that God had from the very, very beginning. Now, I have a controversial kind of question to ask you this morning. Controversial some, kind of uh, non-place in others' lives. But how many of y'all, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, are New Year's resolution people? You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but is that a thing for you? You know, some people I've found, they, they swear by them. You know, they use this date and looking forward to, hey, here's all the disciplines. Uh, here's all the things I want to achieve in the new year. Other people, they swear against them. Uh, some I've even said, you know, that's even unbiblical. And I have never really quite understood uh, that case for it. And a lot of people are just passively pass on. You know, it's like, okay, today's the 31st, tomorrow's the 1st. I don't know where you are, and this morning, I'm not trying to convince you to be in any of those three categories. You are what you are. But I do want to challenge you that if you look forward to this new year, and as we use this line in this calendar, this line in the sand, to, to look forward to holy living in the new year, I want to make sure that we have the right foundation for that. Because I think so many times we put so much pressure on ourselves. Uh, if you have a plan to read the Bible through for this next year, I, I congratulate that. At the same time, I want to warn you that that by itself doesn't make you more Christian. Certainly it will make you more familiar with the Word if, if you're spending time in the Word uh, every day. But there's certain activities that sometimes this time of year, we kind of feel like, okay, in order to kind of be a good Christian and God to be happy with me, I, I need to have these things on my calendar for the new year. And I want to kind of take you away from that. I want you to know that if you are in Christ, if you put all your trust and faith to be right with the Holy God on the work that is finished in Jesus Christ, we're not adding to that by acts of, uh, even good acts, even good things. At the same time, guys, I don't want to distract from anything that would help us to have more of the mind of Christ as we're commanded in Philippians 2 to do. To live more like Christ as we see in Romans 8, that more and more to be made in His image. Well, what, what a tension there is between the total sufficiency of Christ and what He's already done and this high call to live out our faith and our witness for Christ. Have you ever felt that tension? Because sometimes, instead of being balanced people, we kind of lean one way or the other. Some people are like, okay, man, I'm just going to rest entirely in Christ. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what I do. That's not biblically right. Others, okay, if I'm going to be a real good Christian, if God's going to approve me, then I've got to do these things more and more and more. I've got to start doing these things. And that's not biblically right. We're in the tension, folks of resting in the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, and yet this high call to be more and more a picture of the gospel, the picture of the hope of Christ in a lost and dying world. And so sometimes we just get confused. And one of those points of confusion usually comes about this time of year when we maybe make some new goals for the new year. 
I, I've never been much of a resolution person, uh, mainly because I've never been real disciplined uh, to be able to carry them out past a month or two months or three months. But what I have found is that it's been really important for me to kind of listen to the Lord. And, and, and usually he gives me a word, uh, a guidance for the new year. And um, I've never heard that audibly. I just know it in my heart. And the word that he gave me for this year is discipline. To have more discipline in my life. Well, I can really get this wrong that I start putting all the emphasis on how well am I doing with the discipline. Get what I'm saying? And not resting in the sufficiency of Christ. Okay? And all of a sudden, my godliness becomes a task. And that's not biblical, guys. It's very natural. It makes sense. There's a part of it that is practical in its practicality. And yet, if I truly am going to live out and have more the mind of Christ, the hope of Christ, the, the, the heart of Christ... It's not going to come because all of a sudden I do these 14 things that I didn't do in 2023. And so that's a very dangerous word, discipline. Because so much of it can look right back to my ability to be a more disciplined person. At the same time, I'm not going to discount that God has placed that on my heart as a high call. So this morning, here's what I want to do. Maybe you're in that same place. Maybe you are one of those that makes New Year's resolutions. You have print them out. You already have three different posters, one in the bathroom, one in the refrigerator, and some other place. Or maybe you're one of those that haven't even given a second thought because you just don't believe in that kind of stuff. I, I'm not trying to convince you to be in any of those places. I just know that God is the God of new. And sometimes when we have a, a date on the calendar that ends one year and the other one begins, that part of our mentality as just humans is we look at new. It's like a team that maybe last year had a terrible season, and yet they start the new season with a record of what? Oh, and oh, no, zero and zero. They, there's a fresh opportunity. Maybe it's like you know going to a new job or to a new school and an opportunity for a fresh start. My objective this morning is not to convince you to have resolutions this, that, or the other. Mine is to put this sense of new back into the one who gave us opportunity for new. Because I really do believe that kind of at the foundation of Christianity is this hope of new. I mean, what does the Bible say? Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Theologically, that's true. But even practically, that's new. Some of you are today sitting here going, you know, when I became a Christian and over the years, this is one of the things that God has kind of put into my heart. Uh, to be more forgiving, to do this, that more and more you are acting like Christ-likeness because Christ is coming. The Holy Spirit is inspiring you, empowering you to live differently. And I pray that that is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. One of the big things that we talk about here, we don't shy away from words like justification, sanctification. And in this morning, as I would talk about sanctification, uh, I would be talking about those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ. We've been justified by the work of Christ, and now we're in this life of sanctification, becoming more like him every day. And the ongoing relation, uh, reality of this sanctification is that it's based on the same hope that our justification is, the finished work of Christ. 24th chapter of Joshua. Nation of Israel comes to a time 
that could be described as a new beginning. Why is it going to be a new beginning? Because they're now in the promised land after many, many years, many trials, much wandering. And their leader during this time, a man by the name of Joshua, that followed Moses, is about to die. He dies when he's 110. And so he's been a leader for a long time. They've come to love Joshua and trust in his leadership as much as they did Moses and his leadership. And now they hear that he's going to die and he begins to tell them. So he gathers all the leaders and all the people together. Joshua 21, uh, 24 and 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. So he calls all the leaders together. And then he does something that uh, we could say is uh, the role of a prophet. We usually don't see Joshua as a prophet. But in this, uh, starting in verse 2, we, we kind of see him giving a prophetic message. What I mean from that is not so much that he's foretelling the future. Sometimes we see prophecy like that. But prophecy is when we are speaking, or they spoke, for God. And so Joshua is about to say something to this group of people, all these people who have gathered. He's about to die, and he wants to address them. But as he addresses them, he's speaking for God. Look at verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord. Okay, so he said, okay, this is what God has given me to, to share with you. These aren't Joshua's views. This is as if God is speaking now to the people. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, and the father of Abraham and of Nora, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. I I want you to notice there that as God is addressing these people, he says things like, I took your father Abraham. I gave him Isaac. And what we're going to see in this passage is that over and over and over, as God is addressing these people, he's using this this pronoun, I. I did this. I did this. And it's so instrumental to the point that I'm going to try to make today, that I think the the Bible makes. That sovereign God, His work, His righteousness, His provision is the basis of you living out a life of Christ in 2024. Theologically, I, I make that in such a clear declaration because we have no hope beyond Christ. But even in the practical application, uh, to, to go back to that word sanctification, for me to live out and to become more and more like Christ in the way that I would approach things in life, the way that I would love my wife, the way that I would uh, hope for my grandsons and my granddaughters, the way that I would lead this church, the way that I would treat my neighbor, All the hope doesn't come from a newness of Bobby becoming a better person. I mean, we've seen all the commercials. Hey, here's the new improved version. Christianity isn't the new improved person of the old Bobby. The old Bobby, guess what? Died. And now I live in Christ. And we may have a lot of theology down and we may have be able to quote scriptures that way. But folks, do you feel that tension to live that out though? 
Because for some reason, <laughs> the old Bobby wants to come out of the grave. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, I read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and it makes it so clear that the old flesh died, and yet at the same time I'm going, yeah, but it, sure doesn't, it doesn't want to stay in that grave. And Paul does a really, really good job through the Holy Spirit in Romans 6, 7, and 8 of kind of telling us about that tension and that challenge. Well, look what happens. Joshua comes back and he tells them, uh, God begins to show them where they had come from. They were people who had followed other gods. Then by God's choosing, he called Abraham and gave him a land and a people. Joshua's purpose in all this seems to remind us of God's amazing blessing and his faithfulness in the past. And Joshua continues the review of their history. God reminds them that he has been faithful and a faithful God even when they have not been a faithful people. He took them out of uh, the land of captivity and he delivered them. Look what it says in verse 5 and 6. And what? And I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. Do you see the word I there repeatedly? Who's speaking again? God is. He's reminding them that all the blessings that they have, that he has been faithful God even in the midst of their unfaithfulness. And even though they wandered for 40 years because they didn't by faith take the land that God had already promised them, he had already promised them victory over the people that were inhabiting the land, but because of their lack of faith, they were scared. They looked and they said, the people that live there make us look like little grasshoppers. And so we're afraid to go in. Uh, We go back to all of that and yet, what do we see in verse 7? And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Verse 8. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their, their land, and I destroyed them before you. Do you see a theme going here, guys? <laughs> okay, you have all these blessings, you have all these things, and it's not because you've been this great, faithful people. They became this mighty people that assembled a wonderful army. And he said, I, I gave you all these things. In spite of your unfaithfulness, I remain faithful. And this theme continues. Go down to verse 13. I mean, if, if there's ever a scripture that you can kind of put up on the, on the wall, somewhere in your house, just to remind you daily, to put there on the bathroom mirror, to, to put somewhere in there where you can just see. Joshua 24, 13 is as good as any that I know that gets my heart straight and right. Look what God says. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. The mantra of the day, guys. I did this. 
And God says, don't be mistaken. I did this. You live in houses you did not build. You're eating food you did not grow. Well, I went out there and I planted seed. Yeah, you have land that I gave you. There's a heart check, guys, that we need on a daily basis. It's to be reminded in my flesh, in my mind, in my heart, that I am the recipient of God's grace, not only in salvation, but in breath. The very air that I breathe, the next breath that I take, God has given to me. And yet, let's be honest, let's be really honest with ourselves this morning. How quick we are when we've gone to 18 years of school, you know, after high school and have this degree and all this hard work and all this, how it kind of feels like it's ours. I mean, honestly, if you were just being honest, haven't you put in what seems to be a lot of work to get where you are today? A lot of investment of time, energy, sweat. What I want you to understand this morning, what I believe that God wants us to understand is we would look forward to a new year where there will be some toil and sweat and effort and all these things, that it's all built upon the grace of God, that He is the giver of the opportunity for us to even, you know, participate in some way with an education, with a job, with effort. I don't believe that God's rubbing their nose in it in verse 13 here. I think God is just reminding them of his faithfulness and their lack of faithfulness. This is my story, guys. This is your story. If you're in Christ, this is your story. A God who chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. A God who abided with us when we didn't abide with him. A God who fought for us when we didn't fight for him. And a God who has blessed us when we haven't always been a blessing to him. In the sense of just the way that we would live out in my, my sinfulness, my flesh. If you're here this morning, Christian, theologically you are in Christ. And that's your only hope. God didn't do 99.9% of the things to bring about salvation redemption to span that gap between our sinfulness and and his holiness and he did 99.999% and and then we did 0.00001 he did it all and we look back and that's why I think I like Joshua 24.13 so much I gave you houses that you live in and, and you didn't even build I gave you food you eat vegetables and fruit of the vineyards that you didn't plant This is the back story, but look what happens in the verse 14 and 15. This is where we're going to find a very familiar quote. Have you ever heard, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord? Here's the foundation of it, guys. It's not just Joshua standing up and going, man, I'm feeling pretty special and holy today. I'm feeling pretty committed to the whole idea of a God who loved me. It's not Joshua's commitment to him based on Joshua's strength and ability. This word comes from God. I gave, I did this, I delivered you, I did this, I did this. And the only response that that Joshua can do, well, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you. 
Again, we don't shy away from using words that I think are important words for us to understand. And in the New Testament especially, we see indicatives and imperatives. Indicative statements and imperative statements. An indicative is what God has done, and an imperative is, is what we do. And anything that God has ever called us to do in an imperative is always preceded by what God has done. You know, that's those verses that say, therefore, therefore. Go back and, and look at that. Because the therefore, when it calls us into action, into commitment, is always based on what Christ has already done for us. We're not leading the way, and somehow God catches up and says, bless you. We truly have no hope except for what is established in the foundation of Jesus Christ. This is amazingly important, guys. It's not just important in our salvation. I truly believe that it's important in our sanctification. If we look in the New Testament, we can find passage after passage after passage after passage. Uh, Like this one in Hebrews. What's the first word? Therefore, the writer of Hebrews is building this call, this call, this response based on what Christ has done for us. But he does call us to respond. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, he's talking about the the veil of the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The only reason we come to this table today is we come in response to what Christ has done. But it is a call to commitment, guys. It's not a call for you to be a better Christian. It's a call for you to just live out the Christ life. You don't come here and make promises of, okay, God, give me five more tasks that I can do for you next year in 2024. He may call you to do some disciplines in your life. There may be some acts of of commitment that, that God does want you to develop this mind for Christ, to develop a heart for Christ, to, to love one another, for me to love my wife more like Christ loved the church. We, we can't put off this part, but please understand that it's all predicated, it's all built upon the foundation of what Christ has done. I've shared with you many, many times, the Christian life would be the most frustrating life if we have to do it in our own efforts. God has equipped us through the finished work of Christ. Then get this, he loved you so much that when we put our faith and trust in him, the very spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. So he can snap our our fingers when we do wrong. He does do some correction. But to empower us to holy living. This is the call in sanctification for us to, to live out now what Christ has called us to. Look at verse 14 and 15 again. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Is that a call to something? Yes. 
Put away the gods that your father served me on the river and in Egypt and, in Egypt and serve the Lord. Is that a call to something? Yes. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you would serve, whether the gods that your father served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you see the progression there, guys? This is a call to commitment, and there's a response to jo- of Joshua for his family. As a leader, he says, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Two big errors that we make here. We try to make a commitment to the Lord based on our own strength, our own abilities, our own understanding, and not the foundation of the finished work of Christ. Or get so lazy that we don't understand the high call that God has put upon our life, equipped by the finished work of Christ, equipped by the Holy Spirit of God living and dwelling inside us. And I think that we can live in an error, biblically in error, on in either one of those two, so that if we don't have the foundation and it's just Bobby trying to be a better person. Or if I'm going, okay, I'm just going to rest in Christ. And when I see rest, I mean, I'm not going to do anything. No, there's a call upon us. But it's all based on the finished work of Christ. So how does that apply to us as we come to this table? Three things this morning. Number one, as we come to the table this morning, we take the opportunity for the new that Christ affords us in a new year. This is the calendar date, guys. But God is the God of new. There is new opportunity for us looking forward today. Even if today was the, the 22nd of October, and then all of a sudden there was going to be the 23rd of October. We don't need the finish of one calendar year made by man. And yet, every once in a while, God just puts lines in the sand that give us opportunity. It's just a good reminder. Man, a new year starts. Then This new is the new that Christ has given me opportunity to, to live out. So there's part of the challenge. Number two, that we realize that the foundation of any commitment that we would make, any resolution that we make, anything that you ascribe to do in 2024 needs to be built upon the finished work of the faithfulness that God has already established in Jesus Christ. And not just you becoming superhuman, you becoming super Christian. No, if it's not based on Jesus Christ, it's about you. It's not about him. And I promise you, that's why mid-January, mid-February, we, we just, we tag out. Most of the times that I've tagged out in the past of commitments in my life, uh, let me change it. All the times that I have tagged out of my commitments in the past, when I go do the hard check, when I really go back and do the hard check, it's because Bobby had described in his mind somehow to become a newer, improved version of the old body. Bobby. The old Bobby is dead. Praise God, he's dead. And now I'm alive in Christ. Does that make sense, guys? Number three. Then in all the excitement, yet the unknown of what the new year holds for us, we come to this this morning and we see God's call of commitment based on his faithfulness and his grace that we could even utter the words as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't do that based on anything within Bobby. 
but everything based within what Christ has made me. But I do believe that he's called us to holiness, that he's called us to Christ-likeness, that we're not passive in this thing. Build on the right foundation. Hear the strong call of Christ in our lives. In the unknown of a new year, the excitement of a new year, proclaim based on what Christ has done. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, a lot of times I believe that maybe we really do have maybe some good intentions, and yet, Father, we get it so wrong. Good intentions that we really do want to serve you. But Father, we try to build it around the foundation of our own strength, our own abilities, our, our own ability to somehow please you. When the only thing that could please you, Father, is the finished work of your Son, who so completely lived a sinless life, followed your plan and your direction, gave himself up on a cross and died, rose again on the third day, Ascended into heaven, and now, Father, we await the second advent, this return. So that in this one story, Father, that we will see that you have completed the work of the ages. But here, December 31st of 2023, Father, will you call us into new? Will you call us into the hope of new? Father, thank you that, that there's sins that not just that we can leave behind, Father, there's sins that have already been, Father, victory in the finished work of Christ. Father, as we come to the table this morning, Father, help us very much to, to look in, to repent, confess, And then, Father, take us to the table where there is new and there is hope built on what Christ has done and not some commitment, some resolution resolution that we made to you. Father, will you lead us this morning as we pray all these things in the hope that is Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.